Russia, Ukraine. Throwing it over to you, Caitlin. Okay. So, obviously, major event happening in the world right now is the war between uh, Russia and Ukraine. And like most people, I was really interested in this. I've been watching the news carefully and uh, just trying to figure out what's going on. So I looked a couple things up and I wanted to share with you what I figured out. Awesome. Okay. So uh, this started February 24th, 2022. And it is now Europe's largest refugee crisis since uh, World War II. Wow. Okay. So yeah. pretty Great. sizable then, yeah. Yeah. This is kind of a, obviously a big world event that's going on right now that we're all watching. And uh, pretty sad to see all the images coming out of Ukraine right now. And uh, hard to imagine how this all got started. But that was kind of the first question I was trying to answer was like, why? Why is this happening? And where did this all begin? Sweet. What did, what did you dig up here? Okay, so in 1991, the Soviet Union collapsed into like 15 different territories, Russia and Ukraine being two of them. Um, I always find this like interesting to think about because I never, like sometimes when things happen in the past, they're just in the past, but 1991, really not that long ago mm -hmm. in terms of history right yeah. so before we were born so it seems like i know a while it ago, seems but... like for us it was like just non-existent <laughs> we don't know anything different yeah but that's only like 30 31 years ago um so really it would make sense that there's still like underlying tensions and consequences for that because absolutely it didn't happen that long ago um so something interesting i learned is that Kiev is actually like the birthplace of Russia. And obviously now that's the capital of Ukraine. So not only were these two countries originally part of the Soviet Union, but they have a huge, um, lots of cultural ties uh, between them. Uh, Putin actually called the collapse of the Soviet Union the greatest catastrophe of the 20th century. Just in case you were wondering his thoughts <laughs> on the matter. Okay. He's <laughs> not super thrilled about it. And just putting that 30 to 31 years ago, he was actually 39 years old when it happened. Oh, okay. Uh, he's now 69 years old. So, um, I mean, obviously 39 years is a long time to uh, get used to what you have knowing the Soviet Union and then all of a sudden it's collapsing. He obviously was not thrilled about that. But interesting to think that majority of his life he was used to the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so Putin himself actually compared Russia and Ukraine to Canada and the U.S., which I think is a really interesting comparison that we're going to dive deeper into. And in some ways they're even more similar than Canada and the U.S. Wow, yeah. So Putin said that, you know, if you look at Canada and the U.S., uh, we share a lot of trade. Citizens can easily cross borders. You can have families separated by the borders. We often share the same religious or political beliefs and have lots of cultural ties, uh, which I think is really easy to see. We share mm -hmm. almost all the same celebrities. We have easy access to the U.S., and, like, obviously an underlying belief that 
they're generally on our side. We might, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, we mostly trust them. Like, sure, they're the crazy country below us. But, <laughs> like, overall, obviously, um, very similar. Um, and so when we think about how Putin is viewing this whole situation, you can kind of just always compare it to Canada and the U.S. And, like, what would the U.S. do if... Um, you know, Russia was approaching Canada or China was approaching Canada, probably the U.S. would uh, not take too kindly to that. So just kind of a... Yeah, I'm sh they would. They'd yeah. be stepping in. Exactly. Yeah. So just like a different way to think of Putin's uh, side there. Okay, so an example of how close Russia and Ukraine is actually, you can actually see through Ukraine's current president, Zelensky. Uh, so Zelensky is a former comedian and he used to have a show that was like similar to Saturday Night Live. And then he actually got really famous from a fictional show uh, where he played a high school teacher uh, who went viral. And then the high school teacher became the president of Ukraine. Right. That's such a weird story. I remember hearing that. Yeah. <laughs> it's so bizarre. It is very <sighs> interesting. So he played the president on TV and then actually became the president. Yeah. And like... On his show, he was like, you know, just a high school teacher, didn't really know how to be the president, had to, like, figure it all out. And that's, like, exactly what happened in <laughs> real life. Like, he was not a politician, didn't know what to do, and kind of had to figure it out. How how long has he been in power, uh, let's call it peacetime? Like, how long has he been in charge before so Russia? So, he was just elected in 2019. Okay. So, he was elected. Then he had to go through that whole Trump impeachment scandal right. which he, <laughs> yes which he was really mad about because uh he was saying that it made ukraine look really corrupt mm -hmm. and ukraine obviously throughout this whole time was relying on support from the u.s and the u.s was like not happy ukraine them, and yeah. trump blah 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 so there was this whole big thing so that was kind of how his uh presidency started in 2019 then he had covid now he's in this Okay. So that had kind of a rough go. Would have been a great uh, few seasons on the show. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, and the show is actually called Servant of the People, mm -hmm. and that is the name of his political party as well. So he, he created the party and named it after the show? Mm -hmm. Fascinating. I know. Crazy. Okay, but what's interesting about the show, well, that is all interesting, but what's <laughs> also interesting is, like, this was a Ukrainian show, but it was actually in Russian because his first language is Russian, and because, like, and they make... Um, TV there, they're often appealing to Russia. That's the bigger audience. So the show was actually very popular in Russia. So a lot of people in Russia feel like they know Zelensky really well. They've seen him on TV lots. He traveled all over Russia as a comedian. So like he was famous in Russia and now he's the president of Ukraine. So just like showing those very connected cultural ties. Um, apparently he actually used a lot of clips from the show in his campaign. And so people were like, we are so confused on what is real life. What is reality and what is fiction? Because it would be like a clip from the show that he's actually using. As like campaign his... material. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Wow. Yes. But he won with 73% of the votes. That's huge. Yeah. That is massive. That's, that's yeah. yeah, big majority. It is. It is huge. And he's generally very well liked. So... But again, that cultural ties there. So like a huge cultural tie with the with the president of Ukraine. So just showing like the relationship between the two countries there. Um, 
so because of these close ties, uh, the U.S. and just more generally NATO have really caused a lot of problems. This is kind of where the conflict really stems. So I'll give a little bit of background to NATO. So that's the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. It was formed in 1949 to deter the expansion of the Soviet Union. Uh, It now has over 30 countries. And then they have like some partner countries who aren't really a part of NATO, but NATO will support them. And Ukraine is actually a partner country. When when did they become a partner country? Because I know I heard that they... They wanted to be full-fledged members, or uh, maybe NATO wanted them to become fully-fledged. So uh, they became a partner country in 1994, actually. Okay, so right after the fall, basically. Yeah, so a really long time ago. And interestingly enough, in February of 2008, uh, Ukrainians voted in support of the idea of joining NATO, and at that time, 57% were in favor of it, and 38% were against it Hmm. so they're not officially ukraine is not officially a part of nato right now um but part of the reason why ukraine probably wants to be a part of nato is for protection because um any attack against an ally in nato is considered an attack against all allies Mm -hmm. got this little deal together so it's their prerogative that they have to essentially step in yeah yeah basically um and in 2008 NATO promised Ukraine, so that's the same year that that um, vote happened, NATO promised Ukraine a spot, but was like, not right now, Mm -hmm. uh, because all 30 countries, so all countries a part of NATO, have to unanimously approve. And at that time in 2008, it wasn't clear whether or not Ukraine could be trusted, uh, because Ukraine has, obviously, with their relationship with Russia, kind of gone back and forth between East and West. Um, And Ukraine also showed interest in joining the EU. Um, So, uh, actually, um, former President Viktor Yanukovych, who was a president from 2010 to 2014, was actually provided a deal from the European Union and turned it down as Putin offered him a different economic deal. Hmm. So, yeah, showing his ties more to Russia... Um, he made a pretty clear choice there. Um, however, that was not really what Ukrainians wanted. They were pretty upset by this. Um, it was obvious that, uh, the president was too closely tied to Putin in their mind. Is that like, did they vote him out then? (laughs) Well, what actually happened was there was like a ton of protests. Peaceful protests broke out all over the country and, uh, Yanukovych, uh, struck down really hard on protesters. A hundred citizens died, which caused even more protesters. So he actually had to flee to Russia. So that was the end of his presidency. It was over because of this decision. Uh, and this oh. actually all happened in 2014. Is that uh, Crimea as well? Yes. Okay. As a consequence, Putin invaded Crimea. <laughs> Because he could obviously see that uh, he was losing the support of Ukrainians. So even though he kind of had the Ukrainian president in his pocket, he thought it was going to be all good. But Ukrainians were like, no, this is definitely, we want our country to be siding more with the West. This is not where we want to be going. And Putin was not very happy about that. 
He invaded Crimea, and 14,000 people died because of that conflict. Wow, 14,000? Yeah. Okay, geez, yeah. That's kind of ongoing because ever since he invaded Crimea, there's been uh, troops at that eastern border between Ukraine and Russia. And that was actually a big part of Zelensky's campaign was he just wanted all the fighting on that eastern border to end. So there's like skirmishes still and things. Yeah. So see. this is like over time. It's not just in 2014. Right. Still bigger still. bigger than I was aware of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my one question I had about this was like, why is NATO still a thing? Uh, because NATO was formed because of the Soviet Union. So when the collapse of the Soviet Union uh, happened, um, NATO actually just kept expanding. And it slowly, over time, was approaching Russia, getting closer and closer and taking over those uh, Eastern European countries. Countries like Poland, Hungary, the Czech Republic, Latvia, and Estonia all joined. Uh, Some are former areas of the Soviet Union, and some share a border with Russia. So Putin... Obviously, we know we have he has that whole relationship being nostalgic for the old Soviet Union. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He I'm, I'm sure he is blood is just boiling every time one of these new uh, areas is being taken over by NATO. Um, and interestingly enough, while this was going on, lots of people in the U.S. said this was a huge mistake. So uh, Bill Clinton's defense secretary, Bill Perry, actually said that this was a big mistake. And um, some would argue that NATO still has had to be a thing because like maybe the Soviet Union would come back or just generally, why don't we keep it? But it didn't need to keep expanding east and getting like agitating Russia. Yeah. Why? What is the Definitely, point? Definitely uh, aggressive, making yeah. it feel claustrophobic. And um, George Kennan who was an, a, a, Russia, a former Soviet Union advisor and a Russian advisor after that, said, um, as it kept expanding, that he thinks this is the beginning of the new Cold War and Russians will gradually react quite adversely to the move. He said it's a tragic mistake. There was no reason for this whatsoever. No one was threatening anyone else. The expansion would make the founding fathers of this country turn over in their graves. And of course, there's going to be a bad reaction from Russia. This is just wrong. Strong words. Yeah. Both, uh, you know, domestically and just the fact is it really smart to uh, force the issue with NATO right on Russia's border? Yeah. I mean, of course, on the one hand, it's like if countries are asking to be a part of NATO, like it's. Well, sure, like, but. Why would you say no? But. Maybe just because Ukraine is, is too valuable um, in Putin's overall satellite. Like, yeah. I mean, sure, they said, uh, yeah, you can become one day but maybe not today that probably had at least something to do just with um not wanting to be uh, an aggressor really yeah yeah and it's been very clear that like putin has said multiple times that this is his problem in december he said he would stop the fighting in ukraine if nato you know like backed up got out of his zone and basically got completely out of eastern european countries and of course nato was like Uh, There's no way we're doing that. Like we are and like we are here to stay. Um, But that was Putin's demand. He's clearly upset about this. And of course, as this conflict has been happening in Ukraine, NATO has been sending more and more troops to these Eastern European countries. So not only are they a part of NATO, but now they're just loaded. NATO is 
in all of them everywhere, kind of just sitting and waiting mm-hmm. for this conflict to happen. So, obviously, the attack on Ukraine is not warranted, but you can kind of see how it was building and that, um, yeah, like aggression from the West definitely played a part in this. Okay, so although Putin has the whole NATO reason to be in Ukraine, he actually has this whole propaganda going throughout Russia. Um, So he's saying that uh, Zelensky is corrupt and he's being controlled by Nazi influences. And so he's there too. Putin is now invading (laughs) Ukraine to denazify. Help Help all these poor people. (laughs) That makes Um, sense. Zelensky is Jewish. So Zelensky is yeah, saying did, like didn't he also didn't his grandparents or somebody like did he not have direct family relations die in the Holocaust? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's uh, like Obviously under the Nazi influence. <laughs> what are you talking about? Um and there's also like this rhetoric being tossed around that there's some people in Ukraine like there's some Russians in Ukraine who want to be Russians, but Ukrainians are Whatever, right. treating them awfully, whatever it is that they're supposed to do. Uh, okay, yeah, I, I heard that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and apparently, like, this propaganda is really working. There's lots of comments online about people like, oh, I almost like Zelensky, but, like, if only he wasn't being controlled by Nazi influences. So, so bizarre. Like, <laughs> who are these Nazi influences? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. And, like, also, like, I'm, I don't know why Putin feels like he needs to make up another reason like he's obviously has a lot of control he why doesn't he just say like well who is he trying to appeal to with that (laughs) i know yeah i think just generally the citizens of russia i think it's just like a ethos thing like we're really helping people here more than like we hate the west kind of situation but all right okay anyway (laughs) so that's just uh the rhetoric being pumped out of russia but obviously um there's been many protests that have broken out in all the major cities in russia um there's overwhelmingly lack of support for this from russians regardless of this has uh like i mean what's happening to those protesters are they uh being jailed so far, I, they're fine. Like, there's not, there hasn't been like a lot of news of right. I read uh, cracking down, but something about 15 year prison sentence for anyone publishing fake news. Um, so mm-hmm. when they made that announcement, BBC closer, like Moscow like, headquarters, and we're out of there because, yeah, that's essentially <laughs> a 15 year prison sentence for, for journalism. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, okay, oh, we know that uh, the information's seriously being controlled. Yeah, 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 it is. Um, something else that was interesting that Putin said is uh, he's very mad because um, a few years ago Ukraine went through a decommunization period um, and so they like overturned monuments of Lenin and they renamed streets to decommunize their um, country and Putin said you want decommunization very well this suits us just fine but why stop halfway we are ready to show what real decommunization would mean for ukraine like economic threats or what is he saying there (laughs) i think like i think it's more about territory like ukraine got that territory off like through decommunization got the land 
or not decommunization through communism got the, the land place, yes got right. the land through communism so he's thinking so, like great you'll take the names away but you'll keep all your territory and act like everything else is la di da so great so so really it's very we'll well take we'll it all take, away we'll take that we'll, that territory back yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> got yes. it if you don't want the communist territory we'll we'll take that exactly okay um, okay, so my next question I was looking up was like, why isn't NATO doing anything? NATO is a part of the problem here. NATO almost pushed Russia to this point. And now NATO is in a lot of ways just leaving Ukraine to fight for itself. Uh, it is providing some supports, but not a lot. Uh, there's about 6,000 reasons why NATO isn't doing anything. And those would all be different nuclear weapons 6,000 huh 6,000 well that's the thing too it's like I mean we're at this point where there, there's a balance like if we you know cl- that's the big thing right now is we're closing the sky right like I mean yeah. that's that's going to make aerial warfare and it's certainly a, a big step forwards towards that would definitely uh, count future. as doing something yeah. which that's is a hot war if yeah. they, if they're <laughs> yes. shooting each other in the sky yes um, and Putin said, anyone who would consis- consider interfering from the outside will face consequences greater than you have ever faced in history. Seems pretty clear to me. <laughs> like, what else could we be talking about here? Yeah, that, uh, uh, that's for sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's like a huge threat. And also, I mean, technically, Ukraine is not a part of NATO. So NATO's like technically... We don't have to do anything. and right. They're able to keep kind of arms, arm's length away. Yeah. Um, they, this is very likely exceeding the most dangerous moments of the Cold War. If NATO was to step in, like the Cuban Missile Crisis. Um, and I was reading, like, there's scenarios where you could imagine that uh, American president would believe that the conflict is m- more important than the threat of nuclear war. Um, but is defending Ukraine really that conflict or would it more likely be protecting the U.S. homeland, right? Like if we were getting direct threats over here on this side of the world, probably we'd be like, okay, the risk is great enough, but is it great enough for Ukraine? Basically, they're saying it's not. Mm. Well, it makes sense. And emotionally, um, there's a lot of people that, you know, want us to get involved uh, to a deeper level, but uh, there certainly are are big risks. And I'm not saying we should, you know, cow down to Putin's like nuclear fist shaking, but um, yeah, it's really a sticky situation. It, it, it is. Yeah. Like I, I mean, like obviously, other countries are risking a lot, and should they risk a lot to help out? And Maybe that's the thing. yes, like, when, but when World War Two broke out. <laughs> We were saying, oh, let's just let Hitler take a few of these territories because that's all he's like. He clearly has stated this is all he wants. You know, he wants the Rhineland. He wants a a bit here, a bit there. He he had no intention of that European conquest, but all along he did. So is this a case of, you know, we allow uh, Putin to continue his war with Ukraine until eventually, you know, overcoming them and, and taking back the territory and is that it that over or how about all those partner states like that you have to look to them next you know the czech republic estonia yeah. everyone are soviet union 2.0 that's oh. probably what he wants right 
you have to imagine he's very Soviet Union nostalgic, like I was saying earlier. Like right now he's all into Ukraine and, you know, they're like brothers, the two countries and blah, blah, blah. But he's going to be saying the same thing about the next country when this is over. Like obviously mm-hmm. there's a greater reason yeah, for this. There's ties to countries other than you're Ukraine. You're done after Ukraine. Like that's like really hard to believe. Mm-hmm. Like, but, and it's interesting that, like you said, the comparison to World War Two, because I was thinking a lot about that, like, you know, the Treaty of Versailles, and we're like, oh, that's it. We're putting all this stuff on Germany. It's all Germany's fault, blah, blah, blah. Oh, next thing you go, no, we have World War Two. Like, that's basically what happened here, too. We're like, Soviet Union, you collapsed, you're awful, we're breaking you up. This seems to be the consequence of doing that. Like, yeah. there's always a reaction. Yeah. Well, yeah, makes you wonder what the end game is. Like, obviously, we are, like, NATO is supplying Ukraine with a lot of weapons, and they are, you know, doing fairly well. But all things I've heard in terms of just holding off Russia for the time being, but that can't last forever, even if it drags on for like two years. Well, and you're talking about a country with really corrupt elections too. Like, what is Russia going to do? Just vote out Putin in the next election? And then end this? I just don't think that's how it's going to. I know. I don't think that's how it's going to end. So. I don't, I don't know. It's hard to, like, predict what happens. Like, many people are saying Putin's already lost because um, he thought he would maybe have Russian support and he thought he would maybe have Ukrainian support, and he doesn't. And Ukrainians are doing, like, a way better job than anyone else, than anyone thought of um, of fighting back. Um, but, like, you just cannot compare to the size of the Russian army and the resources there. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if you have some NATO help... So, I don't know. And then there's also the side, lots of people are saying, like, why should, people are saying the U.S. should do things, but why should the U.S. do things? This is kind of more of a European problem. So maybe some of those European countries should step in first before we step in from this side of the world. Well, yeah, there's so many angles, too, because, you know, those countries are still taking Russian oil. I think Germany yeah. said we're just not in a position where we can completely stop right now. Yeah. But people are saying you need to stop. Um, you're you're funding them. <laughs> I know. It's hard when everything's so connected like that. Like, how do you, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how they make decisions. But anyways, their their decisions, what well, the decision that they made was sanctions. Right. That was what they the made. sanctions. Yeah. That's the yeah. consequences. So countries, most of the EU. Switzerland, France, Japan, Germany, Australia, New Zealand, Taiwan, U.S., U.K., and Canada all put sanctions on Russia. Corporations such as BP, Exxon, Shell, Boeing, not going to be so many plane crashes in Russia. (laughs) Airbnb, Ferrari, Ford, Harley-Davidson, Mercedes-Benz, Toyota, Volkswagen, Volvo, Adidas, uh, Disney, H&M, Ikea, Nike, McDonald's, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Starbucks, Visa, MasterCard, American Express, FedEx, UPS, Netflix, Apple, Dell, Google, Meta, Spotify, and TikTok have all put sanctions on Russia. Mm. And yeah, that's the thing too. I, I heard like whatever with Spotify and, and Netflix and Facebook and stuff that you can't access those sites from within Russia anymore. And like, okay, great, great virtue signaling corporations. <laughs> but like, I mean, what if those people, <laughs> what if that was their only way to, to actually see some, you know, Western media or Western news articles and uh, perhaps, you know, peer beyond the propaganda? 
it's a little bit tricky because yeah, like who are you punishing? Are you punishing? Yeah, they pay you for subscriptions. Well, like, you know okay, what I mean? There's mostly one person who has done this with his, which is Putin. Okay, do you think Putin's checking Facebook every day? No. I don't think yeah, he, he is. I, I, exactly. <laughs> Facebook doesn't I want to access the site. <laughs> um, and like same, a lot of people have been talking about like the the Visa, MasterCard, American Express thing. And we've seen some stuff on the stock market too. And it's like, it's a tricky line because you have a lot of Russians are against this war. They have no control over this. And... Um, I guess obviously you're trying to put pressure on Putin. The more angry the Russian citizens are, maybe the more likely he is to do something about that. But I don't know, kind of a risky move. Like you're putting mm-hmm. a lot of people in jeopardy. If we used to like literally fly pamphlets over countries so that they can, you know, get some access to, yeah. to Western materials, um, you'd think there'd almost be, um, I don't know, a better way or more, more of a reason for... At least Facebook, which publishes like so many like articles and yeah, yeah, fake news, whatever. But it's still uh, certainly a way for people to access information. Yeah. And I assume YouTube is like, I don't know if YouTube has, has cut them off as well, but same thing. Yeah, it is. It is interesting to think about kind of the overall consequences of mm-hmm. of that. Um, Biden's inner circle feared that sanctions wouldn't stop Putin. And, of course, they didn't stop Putin, or they haven't yet. <laughs> um, and then, like, we were just hearing yesterday that since 2014, Crimea, Putin has been preparing for sanctions. Because, of course, he has. He, he said, if you intervene, I'm going to nuclear bomb you. So he knew sanctions were going to be their only options. So he's been spending the last seven years making sure that Russia is less dependent on uh, the economics of the rest of the world. So he saw this coming. So are the sanctions going to be enough pressure for something to happen? Are the sanctions just a stance that corporations are taking? I I don't know. Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously a stance, but I guess if anything, um, it just maybe slowly bleeds the war treasury down. Um, like, I mean, it, it obviously hurts the oligarchs and, and, and Putin's overall efforts, but yeah, if you had like almost a decade to prepare, I'm sure he's, you know, got some safe havens. And you do also have to do something like we can't do nothing. We can't be mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, Russia, you can have life totally the way it was. And we won't, won't intervene in any single way whatsoever. So yes, he was preparing for this, but something has to be done. But I did see an interesting headline today that said McDonald's finally imposed sanctions on Russia after social media pressures. So there is obviously that. That's bizarre. Yeah. I, what do you mean we should look into that more? Because like what what are McDonald's sanctions? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I get governments imposing sanctions. You can't get a Big stuff, Mac but... in Russia anymore. So they closed their, their Moscow the Moscow McD? Basically yes. Again, like maybe that's not a good idea because that they opened that after the fall of the Soviet Union. It was a whole, you know, coming together of things. And well, I guess again, I, I think it's just the pressure, yeah. right? Like the, I mean, those people they're going to get so mad that they can't get their McDonald's. <laughs> they're going to put the, so much pressure on Putin that yes, they'll continue Bring back McDonald's. <laughs> I mean, maybe I don't know. It's 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 hard to really see. Uh, 
I don't know. I don't. I have no idea what's going to happen. Maybe, maybe the sanctions will work. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a huge pessimist. Well, wh- but... what about China? Are they not? Uh... What I heard was that they're partially funding Russia through bonds and things like that, like giving them some um, support to kind of counteract the sanctions, but that they don't want to go too far because they have such you know, deeply interwoven trade with the West that they don't want to risk that. I don't read anything about China, but oh, China is so interesting in their own way you know um, the like other, the other communists like what is know? it like oh we'll be on russia's side because we also have problems with the west but not so much on russian side that will create our own problems probably they're like great distraction i can move into the <laughs> south china sea even more <laughs> well there's been lots of talk about yeah china making a move at a well, similar time to you know this what because what well, i mean yeah like you said distractions yeah they They've got their own plans, so, you know, everyone's making moves. Stressful. Yeah, it it certainly is stressful, and I think a lot of people are feeling that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's just really sad. I mean, it's sad to see. I mean, like I was saying at the beginning, like, the biggest refugee crisis since World War II, like, that's just so hard to imagine, like... It really is, and it's sad for people to have to leave their homes. Yeah, it's so sad, and and those who are staying to fight, too, I mean, I just... It's a lose-lose. I can't really. even... I, no, it's it's horrible. So, yeah, don't really know where it's going to go. Like I said, lots of people are saying Putin's already lost. Like, this is this didn't work out the way he thought it was going to and is useless to him. Um, but at the same point in time, I don't see how he's just going to well, yeah, with his retreat ego, and call it over. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's hard to imagine him just accepting a loss. Like, maybe he didn't anticipate Ukraine's ability to, to fight back uh, to this extent. But, yeah. yeah, I don't think he's just going to say, okay. <laughs> yeah, and then, like you said, too, like, okay, NATO's not getting involved right now. Are they ever going to get involved? Is there is there a Besides point of just, no return? Yeah, yeah funding like, them. Yeah, exactly. So, well, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, developing every single day, so there's plenty to to stay up um up on with this. Yeah. So that's basically all I got, at least for now. All right, well, we'll we'll keep watching the news and see where this goes. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay. Bye everyone. Uh-huh.